Um, I gave over my voice to the grandmothers or to the ancestors or to creation, to creator, early on in my career. That was my, it's like I made a deal. I said, I, because I could feel my sensitive nature saying, this is not a good place for me, this industry. And I said, if I go into this industry, then it's got to be for the right it's got to be changing the world and something has to be made good of this so I made a bargain so I said I will do it only if um, good comes of what I do of what I create and it's like I let from then on it's like I've let the grandmother work through me so I have a deep trust I'm Julie Clare and this is the podcast creative at the wheel Artists and creative professionals thrive in unconventionality. They reinvent themselves and find their way through impossible situations. Here, we get to have deep dive conversations on their adventures. Let's jump in. My guest today is Andrea Menard. Andrea is an accomplished Métis singer-songwriter, actor, speaker, wellness trainer, retreat host, and the founder of the Sacred Feminine Learning Lodge. It's quite a range of things that Andrea's involved in. Andrea is an influencer in feminine leadership and was named one of the Women Executive Networks, Canada's Most Powerful Women, Top 100 Award winner in 2020. An advocate for rematriation and reconciliation, Andrea trains women to lead like a goddess and helps all gendered people to name, reclaim, and embody the qualities of the sacred feminine. Also, one of the stars of the Netflix series, Blackstone, Andrea is a five-time Gemini-nominated actress and a 15-time, 15-time music award winner. She has released four award-winning albums, a symphony show, two television programs, and her TEDx talk is called Silent No More. Beautiful, beautiful talk. Uh, Have to listen to that one. Um, Andrea has performed for royalty, prime ministers, governor generals, residential school survivors, families of the missing and murdered indigenous women, and even sang her song, Peace, to the world's NATO generals. My goodness, welcome, Andrea Menard. Hi, thanks for having me, Julie. You're welcome. There's so much we could talk about, um, but I'm going to jump right in. And uh, this podcast is called Creative at the Wheel. A lot of people who listen are very creatively active, engaged, or want to be more so. I would like to start with this question about how it is you tend to all these different aspects of yourself from singer, uh, writer, speaker, you know, leader, uh, actress, all of it. How is it that these get your energy? How, what's the flow like? What does this look like for you to be all of this? <laughs> A good question. <laughs> you know, right from the beginning of my career, I started very much at the same time being an actor and a singer at the same time. And so I knew right away that when people asked, and everybody asked, are you a singer more than an actor or an actor more than a singer? And I said, I am both. And if I were to um, let one of them go, I would be incredibly unhappy, unfulfilled, because the singer in me is my God voice to creation. And my acting allows me to delve into the into human nature, which I find fascinating. So that's how it began me recognizing I was more than just one thing that everyone tried to pigeonhole me in. But then I started expanding what I did. So I'm like, oh, I'm actually an actor 
writer or a singer, actor, singer, writer. Oh, okay. I'm three things, but uh, you know, I'm indigenous. So why on earth would I um, not be four things? So I recognize that I'm an actor, singer, writer and speaker but in a way that category entails a lot of things it entails my my messenger my my speaker my trainer my teacher and it wasn't until certain things started being completed that i realized oh i've just been in a really strong creation of speaker and writer mode because my actor and singer have been kind of quiet over the last couple of years and i thought huh and I always think, oh, maybe I'm done. <laughs> I'm always wrong when I think that. But at the time, it feels so foreign to me because I'm so enveloped in the, what I'm in. So I let this is how I allow them to work is that whatever part rises in my awareness or in a project that gets my entire focus. And sometimes all four parts of me are engaged, but most of the time there's maybe one or two involved. And when they are involved, I'm completely in on that project. I and totally hear you. I, can I just interrupt? I'm curious, do, do you struggle with it? Do you say, oh, I can't say no to that acting gig because I'm doing my CD right now. I'm doing my, you know, I, I can't do all of it. Do you, do you have those conversations of how to say no to things when you're really, really involved in one primary project? Well, a lot of the times, no other projects come my way, <laughs> which is why it's really clear what I'm doing right now. And of course, sometimes I wish, oh, yeah, I wish I could be doing something else if I don't, if I don't feel the flow. Um, but, you know, there's also times it overlaps and I can get really whew, um, overbooked and a little stressed about it. I'm probably better at one at a time. But I'm capable of doing several at once. Um, but yeah, so it's not as smooth. But if you were to look over my long career now, it's almost 30 years, I can say it has really, it, you know, it, it's like one rises like a mountain while the other ones become valleys. And then the other one rises like a mountain and the others become valleys, you know, and sometimes it's like a graph or not a graph, but a, a, a music wave. You know, you see the waves rise and fall, rise and fall. Mm. And Did and that's how I would say all of it has happened. Some of it overlaps, but most of the time it's one or two at a time. I got it. And, you know, you you started singer, actress, I'm thinking, by the way, you know, what you just shared. Were you always in touch with your voice as a as a voice from God kind of thing, a God voice? Um, has, um, has that been there all the way through or has that gained strength as you've gotten older? No, it was early on. I had a, weirdly enough, I had a fear of of becoming famous weirdly enough like I didn't I had a voice early enough and strong enough that people noticed and I would find other people wanted to do things with that voice and I didn't necessarily want to follow and so early on I wondered what was this resistance I have why is it that Somebody says, oh, if you would just sing country, I could make you a country star. Or if you just did this or if you just follow one genre, you know, I could do so much with you. And I could never do that. And it, I didn't have words for it immediately, but I knew that I was never able to follow other people's agenda about my voice or how the industry standards were dictated at the time or continue to be. 
I knew that if I was going to sing and I was going to face this fear of mine, whatever, it was pretty, pretty potent fear I had. If I was going to face this fear, then it had to be worth it. Then I had to be doing something to make this world a better place. I had to um, be connected for a higher purpose, I guess you could say. And and I never could entirely do it for fame or fortune. I, it made me sick. I couldn't do it. So, Seriously, it made you sick. Like from the very beginning, there was like the only, I kind of I get it to be honest. Uh, yeah. I have done singing and stuff, and that connection to core for me was important. But when I hear you, it sounds like that was your way through. It's like, I can meet this, I can do this, but only if I'm connected at this kind of core, which is to something other than the industry, it sounds like too. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I say it like this, <clears throat> that I gave over my career. Um, I gave over my voice to the grandmothers or to the ancestors or to creation, to creator early on in my career. That was my, it's like I made a deal. I said, I, cause I, could feel my sensitive nature saying, this is not a good place for me, this industry. Mm -hmm. And I said, if I go into this industry, then it's got to be for the right, it's got to be changing the world and something has to be made good of this. So I made a bargain. So I said, I will do it only if um, good comes of what I do, of what I create. And it's like, I let from then on, it's like I've let the grandmothers work through me. So I have a deep trust that because I, I, it was so early on that I said, I'm not doing this unless it is, is guided, you know, unless you guys write it, you know? Mm. And since I did that early on, nothing I have done has been without spirit guidance. So I have a deep faith and a deep relationship that goes, um, that just knows that if I'm going to sit down to write something, I've got lots of help to do it. Lots of help. Andrew, how did the, how did you first experience that? I mean, essentially, your relationship to guidance and the divine that I hear was it before you were singing? I mean, was that as a kid? Did you come in with that, or what, how was that no, for you? I think it was the fear that crystallized it. You know, so I'm really grateful to that that terror that plagued me that other people didn't seem to have. You know, and when you choose to face those fears in life, um, they come with knowledge, they come with wisdom, they come with um, um, a sense of experience that, you know, people who don't face that or who maybe don't have that fear. But I came in with this, you know, deep terror of, of being hounded, <laughs> of being seen. And I thought, I will only face this if it's mattered. So in a way, I think the fear, and I've never, I've never really answered this before, but I'm discovering it as I speak it, is I think the fear led me to asking for help in more, in more than the ways, because as a Métis person, you know, a lot of my relatives are Catholic, right? The Métis people are Catholic in, in a big way. So I wasn't raised necessarily with with grandmothers and grandfathers. That is what I walked into. But I I had a lot of that in my bloodline and my ancestry. So what I discovered is by walking this into this fear, I was, and I asked and I prayed for help in my way. And then the answer came in the way it came. And then I started to create a relationship with that, if that makes sense. I, it does make sense. So how old are we talking? Is this like around like 20 kind of thing? Yeah, or is this probably 22, yeah. 23. I'm just 20. thinking of where we are 
as a person, as a, you know, coming into our own and yet beginning, um, would you, your relationship say to the grandmothers, um, uh, your family born into a Catholic family in terms of the, um, the tradition, was there also a strong sense of ancestry and of your grandmothers was, was that easily available when you were connecting like that? Well, I wasn't born into a Catholic family because my my father, who comes from the Catholic family, who's the Métis side of my family, married a white Protestant, English, Irish, Icelandic woman, my mother. And so she, uh, they ended up not following the Catholic Church. So I was not raised that way. So, but I have strong lineages on both my, my family sides, my, and and the grandmothers came when I became an artist, because I'm not the first artist in my family, but I'm the first artist to pursue it as a living. Because my dad was the king of the kitchen party, my mom harmonized, <laughs> you know, everyone was really talented. But they didn't do it for a living because they didn't know they were allowed to. My dad was not encouraged. He didn't think he was allowed to. And so for me, I almost followed that path. So when I did follow my heart and my passion and this this direction i i when i met other full-time artists and indigenous artists metis artists maria campbell was a big influence you know there were lots of people that i learned from once i had stepped onto that path because that's where my family couldn't help me anymore you know i had to now go into um, my own path and that's where i needed others to help oh my god it's so beautiful um how we find our way and also mm-hmm. acknowledging the um, abilities of your parents from the king of the party in terms of, I'm thinking, is that voice um, mm-hmm. with, your, with your father and your mother being the harmonizer and and carrying that through, again, seeing the the lineage, who who you are. Um, and, and what is it to be now? I don't know how long this has been um, part of your identity, but to be um, having your name mean both grandmother- wind and also be being firewoman how 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 would you speak to both of those now yeah well i was given the name notukwoyutin which is cree name for grandmother wind you know about 10 years ago now and i was shocked no 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 9 years ago and i was completely utterly shocked when the this elder told me my name and i was embarrassed like i wanted to shrink because it was that feeling of oh i'm going to be seen again that terror came up of oh they'll see me and i don't know who but they <laughs> and and i've i i let that that name kind of go sit on the back burner for 4 years because i had been in communication with the grandmothers and I had a relationship with the grandmothers, but but never what to me that name was telling me is that they say, but these are your peers, Andrea. These are you're the grandmother on the ground as they are in the spirit realm. And I was so shy about that because I'm not an elder. I'm, you know, holy smokes, I can't say that name. Who the heck do I think I am? You know, it was that thing. And and it took me four years to walk into that name is what I call it. And once I did, I just fully walked in. I went, okay, I get it. And I think that is when my my role of the writer and the speaker messenger really came into be. So they're all, it's like the grandmother said, okay, she's on board. 
now let's let's get to work on well, you said we could use you for your singing voice we said you could you said we you could use us for your acting and now oh baby we got some work to do now in healing and and messaging and speaking oh we got some work from you now <laughs> um but once i owned that name like my relationship with the grandmothers just solidified and i recognized such a deep deep um love and and that was the first name and then you know years later i'm in on a fast with another elder and teacher and and a new name comes in anishinaabe which is shkotekwe and it's firewoman and i was shocked because grandmother wind i had a i had fully embodied so completely that i hadn't recognized this medicine wheel of who I am. I'm like, oh, of course, of course, this has been quiet because Grandmother Wind is my teacher. Firewoman is my performer, as well as all of those parts. And I'm also a, a life giver. I'm a, I'm a water keeper as a woman and, you know, within our traditions. And I'm also a child of the earth and, and under earth signs, I guess you could say. But you know, I'm all four parts of the of the sacred elements as well. So yes, we have wind and yes, we have fire, but I haven't been given traditional names in the others yet, but I know that they're there and I work and that and those four parts of me could be, you know, again, I'm in fours. So as uh, as I accept the different parts of me and the deep wisdom of those spirit names, I, I become clearer of who I am. I, I I I try and appear in the world through those um, embodiments, and and that's when I feel I'm doing my best here on this planet, my best work, my best humanness, I guess you could say. I got you know on this quote that you have, um, I'm going to quote it's um, quote <laughs> Andrew Minard: "To be powerful, we must first listen and receive the wisdom offered by our ancestors, and only then take action in the world." And it just seems like that's what I'm hearing. Um, how how are you living? Is that still very present with you, that quote? That's a very, yeah, that's an important yeah. quote. Because to me, that is the, it, it, it would be the, in the world we live in, I've been heard, I've heard from different elders say that we, this is the upside down world, you know, that we're living in an opposite way of how the original instructions were given to us. And most of the time we are letting our decision-making come from just thinking things. Let's just think, I have a good idea. Let's just do it. Right. And that's great in some, in some circumstances, but if that thinking and doing are never tempered with wisdom, with emotional intelligence, with intuition that gives you, um, warning signs or or wait halt how does this affect that um that part of the land how does that affect these people how does that affect children how does that affect the generations to come how does that affect this water source if those questions are never thought of because it's a good idea for you for someone for some segment of the population but not for all then we're going to be in, we're going to get into the trouble we're in right now. And that is a very much a Western approach, a patriarchal approach, a colonized approach. It's, it has been successful for the conquerors. 
but very, very, very detrimental for the people being colonized. And I would say there's not one group of people on this planet who have not been colonized. So it's a insidious um, trauma making uh, source, but it's also traumatic and detrimental to the planet and to all living beings, as we are seeing. So that's where we are right now. We're in this place of of a pandemic. We're in uh, on the brink of climate crisis, all because this way of living, this way of making decisions, has no access to the spirit realm, no access to our ancestors who have lived through pandemics, who have lived through a colossal um, damage and climate crises before. We have these in our lineages. And if we were to learn from them and listen to them, all we have to do is slow down enough to listen. But What's your sense of the upside down world with the teaching that or the wisdom that you have received? What comes next? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Is this a a stage in our adolescence and we just have to move through it? Or is this, do, do the teachings tell you anything? Cause it just seems so dire right now. Um, yeah. I would say that, you know, for me, I am someone that looks at it through positive eyes. And according to some of my elders, I've heard from a gathering of elders back in 2012, they coined the term for me, which I had been developing, but never heard it this way. And it went boom that now is the time of the rise of the sacred feminine. And that means it's not the necessarily the rise of female, you know, the sacred feminine and the sacred masculine are aspects of life that every single creature and every single human being holds within them. All of life has it. And if we were to say, like, when you look at the systems that are in place right now, they're they're only backwards because they are out of balance. The sacred masculine and the doing and the action is wonderful, is part of life, is this sprouting of a seed, right? That's necessary for life, for the expansion of life. But when it is not, when it becomes the superior way of being, when there's when there's no value for the slowing down, for the nurturing, for the planting of the seed, for the... Um, the birthing of ideas, whether for the spiritual nature, for stillness itself, when there's no value for that, that is when we become out of balance and then things get out of, move into chaos. And so to me, in the rise of the sacred feminine, that is the rise of the feminine aspects of life, which means the, the time of stillness, this time of reflection, the time of nurturing of all that expansion and all that conquering. What it, when is there going to be nurturing and and including and and compassion and holding space for the healing, the spiritual it, aspects of life? Andrea, is your is it your sense that we have lived through the sacred feminine as a people before, like that we're very ancient and we're in these cycles, or that that this really is its moment coming in here? I have an um, a wise elder um, named Ilarion Merkuliev, who's an un, un, a man from an Anungan man from um, 
up in Alaska. And he says that we have lived through several of these where the, the pendulum swung to, like, this is not my story to tell, but I, I want to acknowledge that he told me this. And I don't know where he, from his people, is that we, that at one time it was the para, the the pendulum swung to, it was very over, out of balance with the feminine and now we're over out of balance with the masculine and for the first time we're meant to go to the middle where both are in balance and indigenous ways recognize that balance and and but being in touch with nature and being acknowledging the aliveness of our world and each other and our connectedness to every living thing that is a very 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 important part of the sacred feminine and the indigenous teachings. So there's a container of the indigenous teachings that that holds that knowledge. And I would say that we're in a position right now where we could we could really grow that because all the things that have been left out of this of this systems, mm -hmm. we're not really in these like life doesn't actually exist in boxy systems. They actually exist in a circle in cycles of nature, of natural law. And so the circle has always been there. But because the systems have tried to superimpose this boxy system on top of that circle, it, you know, it, it doesn't work because the circle will be rising now. And to me, my, this is how I think I've said it to you before is, you know, to me, when the circle rises, it means that all the voices that have been left out of the systems are coming home to the circle, meaning the voice of the feminine, the female voice, for one, because they it's been very oppressed, you know, um, the voice of nurturing men, the voice of Mother Earth, the voice of indigenous people, the voice of black people, the voice of people of color, the voice of people with extra abilities, the voice of two spirited trans uh, queer community members. All of those things that have been left out are coming home to the circle. And that's why you're going to hear a big resurgence. Oh, it's beautiful. The, it gives me, it does gives me a <laughs> kind of a lift because the heaviness of the world right now is, 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 is big for me and many of us. Um, I, I want to know what it's like when you speak to a group, say on your Ted talk, and you're speaking very strongly in my mind in a beautiful way. Like I see that as strength. You're in your body speaking this about, to this crowd of men and women, I'm assuming I didn't see the crowd, um, that's saying this is the time of the rising of the sacred feminine that includes you men, right? How did that feel to come out and really say that like that to this group? I knew it was very important I had to say it. Um, I didn't know at the time that that was going to be the whole crux of what I speak about is everything, everything, you know, because that talk was about silent, no more using your voice to end violence against women. So that's not necessarily the main point of what I talk about. What I talk about is, is the empowerment of all of those parts of life that have been left out of the circle. So the rise of the sacred feminine is, is so important to me because it leaves no one out to me, it's the most empowering thing because look about, you know, if you were to look at men who feel left out right now, white men live, feel left out of all these movements happening. But if they were to recognize that they're the voice of their nurturing um, masculinity is rising too, they would know they're involved in this big transformation. And so because no one is left out, no one. Everyone needs to be, in, you know, we all need balance in order to to 
shift the paradigm on our planet. We all did have to you work feel, together. Did you feel that the the room got that when you were speaking? I think so. Yeah. I think, yeah. People, I think all people felt included. And when you feel included, you feel like you can participate. When you feel excluded, you don't necessarily know you have a role to play. Exactly. No, I loved it because I felt it was, you made such a strong, the, the way you spoke, it was so strongly inviting and inclusive. And it just, for some reason, it I, I watched it again today and it gave me a, a bright light. I wanted to bring that out. And thank you for uh, sharing that with me because it was, I found it very exciting. The, another exciting thing was, you know, your song, Four Directions Prayer. Mm-hmm. I just love that song. It's so powerful. It was from your 2017 recording. Um, do these songs live in you for a long time? Do they, what, um, what, what do you, yeah. how do you see that? Yeah. So this Four Directions Prayer, I, w- I was, it was actually on my Lift album, which came out in 2014. And oh, okay. Lift was, I had all my songs and my co-writer and I were like, yep, okay, I think we have them. And this, this prayer song had always, had come to me for several years, um, whenever I would be in a sacred space, I could be in a forest walking alone or, you know, being in you know, praying, or I could be in a, in a lake by myself, whenever I would be in a, in a sacred space inside or outside, this song would come. And as soon as I left that sacred space, it would leave. And I went, Oh, oh, I like that song. What was it? How did it go? I don't know. And I would leave. But as we were recording the album, it's like the grandmothers gave me that song again. And they said, it's time. So I went, Oh, here it is. Here's that song. So it um, was able to be recorded and birthed because it came back at this time. Well, that's beautiful. I, when I listened to it, I, I was just looking on listening on YouTube and there was some 2017 date. Obviously, that was uh, three years after you made the album Lift. But I, I don't know. It felt like that to me. It felt like um, outside of time, that song. And it felt well, to me, it did feel like prayer in, in the way that I understand prayer, this communication between the realms. Um, so I just wanted to speak directly to that. And I, I'm, you know, when, do you, do you mentor people at all at this point in your life? Cause I'm wondering if you talk directly about prayer or getting guidance um, to individuals or to groups. Well, I, I, you know, because I, I get downloads as well, I, you know, whenever an album came, I would get the idea and then I'd have to walk towards it, but I would see the vision, I would see it all beforehand, and I'd go, okay, so now I'll walk towards this because I see what I'm supposed to do. And 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 that's why when the speaking and, and this messenger part of me, this trainer part of me started to emerge is because I received um, a big download of what was to come. And I saw three courses that I would be creating and teaching that came from them, me, and I've I've already created one called Matriarchs in Training, and I have two others. Well, actually, I have f- four. Two are done, honoring your four sacred bodies that you can purchase, actually. So it, that is, already exists. It's a 90-minute deep dive into the four sacred bodies. Um, I have Matriarchs in Training, which is just for Indigenous women, empowerment of Indigenous women and women identifying people. Um, but I have these two other courses that are still being birthed at the moment, called on um sorry reclaiming the four goddesses which is my work with um reclaiming those 
elemental parts of us. So I call them the four goddesses because I'm trying to empower that feminine way. And there's not many English words that for sacred woman. <laughs> and so the four goddesses to me are not the Western way of looking at them, but an indigenous way of looking at them, although goddess would never be the word indigenous people use. It's just what I'm using. Okay. Is fire woman, water woman, air woman, and earth woman. So every single human being has those elements within them. And this is my way of bringing that, that power, that embodied, that, that um, nurturing aspect forward in their lives so that we can be leaders of the rise of the sacred feminine. And when you get these downloads, um, is it kind of something that is part of a state of being that you start journaling a little bit or then something starts becoming clear and then all of a sudden comes in or what, what is that? Is it something that happens over weeks or over a long night kind of a thing or? Well, I spend a lot of time in stillness and in nature and I, I'm open to communication with, you know, with my grandmothers, with whatever you want to call it, your angels, your, your mm -hmm. higher self, your intuition, whatever. Um, your muse. Uh, I spend a lot of time being in a receptive state because that is also part of the, the sacred feminine is being receptive, being in a listening place. When you are in a listening place, you can receive wisdom from everywhere you walk. And I encourage people to move into that state way more often than acting before receiving guidance. Um, I mean, so my second, my third, fourth course that I hadn't talked about or that I, is also lead like a goddess. And that one to me is a big uh, one for business women, women who access their masculine skills, because most of us have accessed our masculine skills to survive in this world and sure. to thrive in this world. And we're good at it, which is great, but we're not meant to stay there. I think that, um, that our bodies tend to shut down our bodies and our, 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 according to what my elders say is that because this is this rise of the sacred feminine is happening, whether we want it to or not, whether we believe in it or not, is that women who have been accessing that masculine part of themselves at some point will recognize this isn't the way they were meant to continue. Some people I know have had health things emotional breakdowns, body stops, you know, uh, nope, can't do this anymore. Just can't. I can't go on the way I was. And to me, that is the the calling of the spirit to say, now, now it's time to access the feminine part of you that you're here to lead from. You're in those positions of power now. Bravo. Well done. And now you must have the courage to change into who you're really meant to be. And when you do that and other people see you leading that way, then other people will be inspired. Because if you think right now, if it's hard for women to start leading in a feminine way, which is our natural way, then imagine how hard it is for our men in those positions, in those systems. Imagine if we're wanting them to do it and we can't do it ourselves, then whoa, we have, um, then we're asking too much of our men. And our two-spirited brothers and sisters are great teachers of this balance. And they, that's, which is why their teachings are also rising too. You know, it's so, so great to hear this. I definitely put myself in this continuum of um, very strong masculinity and reclaiming this uh asking for guidance, listening before I act. And the reason why I say that is because so many of my clients, so many of the people I work with 
it's that connection that brings out that sense of purpose that brings out the um, sense of uh, almost passion uh, the why I'm doing it that brings gives them the sustainability and and for some people it's actually reclaiming that relationship to earth and realizing earth might be driving their whole pottery practice for instance that yeah. the whole reason really they love what they're doing is because their earth is so important to them and all of a sudden I see someone's I mean seriously I see it the awakening and the strength that comes in from that connection. And would you say your, what would you say, how did your sense of purpose, if you like that word or if you don't like that word or how that plays oh, for I've you? Had a, uh, I've had a massive sense of purpose since I was very young. I hear um, it. <laughs> but yeah. I, uh, I thought everybody had that. <laughs> and I think they do. It's just that I think uh, there's nothing I, I'm not willing to do any of this like I said because of that fear because of that because of the toll it, it would take on my courage or my sometimes I just want to be invisible I didn't want to be seen I, I you know but I'm I was born to be visible so because this terror this fear was also right right beside you know it's like left hand and right hand the fear was beside this capacity to to perform and express things for of human nature to people i it's like i had to create a balance for myself and that purpose for me was was going okay okay <laughs> that was my way of always staying on purpose because i could get out of balance and be in fear more than my joy and there's no reason to be in a business or an industry or a, a, if you're not enjoying yourself. So I would, I would, I had a, a strong, my purpose was always to help others not have to go through what I did and to help people, you know, because I felt I had no voice. I felt all these different, if you see my TED talk, you'll understand what you know. Mm -hmm. too. But I, I always wanted others to have an easier time than I did. And because that's a pretty strong purpose, you know, that's, but my own, but ultimately what kept me on track with that purpose was this own dancing between the left and right hand, which is the fear and the joy, the fear and the joy. Wow. And what would, where would you say now your biggest challenge is with that? Or what do you feel challenged with when you, you come into something and you go, Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. um well, I would say that if you were to put you know, when I talked about my fear of being seen and this mm -hmm. terror of being seen, but there was also, um, you know, probably a, a major fear of being maybe seen that I'm so unworthy, you know, feeling unworthy of, I don't know, of, of, of being alive, of having, um, I just had a deep, deep worthiness issues. And so, um, what was your question? Oh, <laughs> challenges. Like How it shows up oh, now. Thank challenge. You. Right. Yeah, sure. Thank you. I knew I was going somewhere <laughs> with that. Okay. Um, yeah. So I would say that that worthiness issue does rear its head whenever I have to try something new that I'm frightened of. Um, whenever I have too much on my plate, whenever I fear I don't have enough time to prepare, when I feel not ready to be seen, you know, so it, it rears its head um 
all the time. And but I because I'm also cleaner emotionally now, you know, part of this work with the the four sacred bodies is the physical body, the emotional body, the mental body and the spiritual body, I have tools now. And this cleanness in my emotional body that when I'm terrified, when I'm scared, when I'm worried and I'm sad, it can come through me pretty quickly and cleanly. And I allow it to blast through me (laughs) in in ways that allow me to go, okay, are we okay now? Can we move forward? (laughs) How are we doing? Can can we be seen now? (laughs) And, And um What's the role? And in that, in those moments, is it, is it also a time of return to inner guidance or is it really a lot about expression, release, uh, you know, awareness, um, these tools? Yeah. All of the above for sure. I would say that for me, my guidance can't be heard if I am suppressing any emotions, emotional, like when in the, there's no, there is a very big reason why in the rise of the sacred feminine, the rise of emotional, healthy, emotional expression is also being called back to the circle because we can't hear our wisdom when our mind and our head is blocking and choosing to suppress our emotional wisdom because I see uh, emotions and feelings as wisdom keepers. And I can't hear my wisdom if my mind is racing around with fear thoughts and my body is trying to express all of that for me and trying to move past it. But if I stop that expression, expression, then I can't access the wisdom afterwards. Because if people knew the nuggets, the wisdom, the the connection you felt after a massive expression of whatever emotion needs to go through you. If people knew what was laid, like would lie on the other side, they would, they would think twice about suppressing their emotions because that is where all the joy and all the connection and all of the understanding lives. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And, you know, this is not necessarily words. You know, I I was taught, by when I got into my emotional body, the grandmother said that your emotions do not necessarily speak the language you speak. So I speak English. They they don't speak English. Your emotions don't speak English. So don't expect them to. And and, and the people around you shouldn't expect them to either. They speak feelings. So learn to speak their language by, you know, by come humbly Come in a humble way towards your feelings and, and allow them to speak the language they speak. Oh, I love the emotions don't speak English. And also, uh, would you, is it too much to ask? I'm wondering, in terms of your tools with these, the earth, air, water, fire, bodies, and the wisdoms that you've put together in these, um, some of your work, is there a tool or a pro, or a, a ritual or a process that comes readily when the emotions are storming through and you know you need to presence them. Um, you know you can't necessarily hang out there all day. I mean, I don't know how that works for you, but is there some kind of ritual that you do? Yeah, I, I do actually. And in fact I I I share that with a new moon sacred circle. Every new moon I, I hold Beautiful. it for anyone who wants to join. It's like free for anyone. Yeah. And it's on so they can they can um sign up at andreamenard.com slash new moon. So anyone can come to that. But that's the ritual I developed because I was doing it on myself. Right. <laughs> I was going through these um, words and these phrases and these experiences and this extreme 
acceptance ritual is what it really looks like and um and, ex and and finding gratitude for these things and then that also developed into the deeper work which was the honoring so the the ritual is called the four sacred bodies ritual mm -hmm. and the work developed into a deeper deep dive in the honoring your four sacred bodies which is a an audio thing right. you can purchase. I'm going to be looking at that. I hadn't actually seen that. You've got so much work. Uh, and the sacred feminine, what is it? Sacred feminine learning sweat lodge. lodge. What is it? Yeah. 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 Not yeah. It's sweat lodge, but sacred learning lodge. Yeah. It's all there. Um, and is there any, where are you right now in terms of your energies being directed? Is it, I heard you said the last couple of years, it's really been moving into the speaking and yeah, the messenger, well, where are you now? Yeah. Isn't that funny? You know, I would have not <laughs> even been able to have described it the way I described to you until some of the the pieces of what the things I've been creating started to be completed. Like what I'm holding in my hands is the prototype of my seeds from the sacred feminine wisdom cards. Those have been with me for four years and they finally got released. I finally printed a small run um, of them. And so that being completed, the seeds from the sacred feminine wisdom cards, which are hopefully being, you know, being courted by a certain publisher that I won't mention right now, but so great, great. Like there's that. So there's a completion element to that. There's a completion of my TED talk. There's a completion of the matriarchs and training course. There's a completion of getting my sacred feminine learning lodge content out into the world. Um, and so with those completion, oh, and in my video series where I've interviewed a whole bunch of different elders and wisdom keepers and, and heart-centered leaders about the rise of the sacred feminine called Discovering Your Ancient Treasure. So there's, you know, there's completion, completion, completion. And with that, I'm going, wow, oh my gosh, I have an album idea coming. What? What? Uh, and, I'm, uh, and I just got a, a role in a, in a a pilot for a series and I'm going oh my goodness <laughs> oh I guess uh okay I guess other parts are starting to rise up again so that is how I know this was just the longest um wave that I'd been in so I hadn't noticed that I was in a still in a development phase and things weren't being completed and as they get completed then there's more room for the others to emerge so yeah I'm applying for a grant for this album which is a Mitchiff language album <laughs> so yeah um that's what's that's what happens oh I'm <laughs> so you, glad I asked follow. yes yeah um what is there a question that you would love to be asked that you're usually not asked is there something you would love to be able to speak to? I mean, we're we're kind of winding down the like next couple of minutes, but I or whatever minutes. But I is there some question or aspect mm -hmm. of life that you haven't spoken much about that you love to be asked about? Uh, nothing's coming to mind actually, because mm -hmm. you're touching on the things I'm really passionate about, which are all the four parts of the medicine wheel and also bringing healing to the planet. You know, I, okay, maybe here's something, maybe not a question, but here's something that I could, um, send out there is, is when people who feel disheartened by the state of the planet or by the state of humanity in order to, for, for me, to me, the real work, the how, to me, the only way we're going to change the world and the state, the state we're in is by individually one person at a time dissecting 
and going into their inner realms of their own healing and cleaning up and healing the lineages. Because as an Indigenous person with, with different lineages, I'm very proud of both, that you know, from my settler lineage, I know that there is a lot of trauma and that those settlers brought to this land. And I know that the people who are here and not looking at the struggles and the and the imbalance of power and the imbalance of, of justice and and the systemic racism in and uh, and gender bias within our systems, those who are can't look at them are are basically carrying that that pain in their lineage. And so to me, the only way we're going to see a difference in the world around us is by doing that inner work. Now, there are other people who believe that if you do the outer work first, then you'll move it to the inside. And you know what? They're probably right. But for me and the way I know how to bring healing to the world is by doing it one heart and one healing at a time. So I believe that if you are feeling disheartened, then all you need to do is clean the lineage, clean the trauma, clean the pain, clean the the habits that are destructive out of your own systems, out of your own belief systems, and they will start to gather together with other people who have done healing and other people and and we will see real change on this planet. The consciousness will change and our systems will unravel and create circular ones. Beautiful. Andrew Menard, um, what can, where can we send people to find more information? You've got some great information on andrewmenard.com, for instance. Yeah, andrewmenard.com and sacredfeminilearninglodge.com as well. And um, Andrea Menard Music on YouTube. And I'm on all social media. You can find all my social media links at andreamenard.com. Beautiful. and sacredfemininelearninglodge.com. Thanks for asking. All right, take care. Thank you. Bye. Well, that's today's podcast of Creative at the Wheel. Before we go, I want to invite you to check out my ongoing Friday online gathering, The Creative Cure for Anxious Times, where for 75 minutes each Friday, we follow our intuition and play with pen, paper, paint, whatever creative materials you have on hand, as a way of coming back into alignment with life in the moment. It's very healing and a whole lot of fun. You can also learn more about my one-on-one coaching with creatives, both on my website, paintbiglivebig.com.